Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Gary Keller delivers a message entitled, The Conclusion of the Whole Matter. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about our church and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so, These are the final words written by the wise man, King Solomon. And the last verse of the last book that he would write, and he says, for you and I in this hour, hear the conclusion of what this life is all about, of the whole matter. When you get to the end of life, make sure that you have a fear for God, which is not being afraid of God, but it's a high reverence for God. Fear God, keep his commandments. And this is the whole duty of man. And God's going to bring the works of every person into judgment and every secret thing. Every good thing that you accomplished that maybe no one saw in this world, the blessing you were to others, every good thing, God is going to remember it and also that which is evil. So I speak to you today from this thought, the conclusion of the whole matter. You may be seated. This message is not just for those who are our seniors among us, but this message is for everyone. And the conclusion of the whole matter is vital for all of us to look at and consider this morning. And I say that based on this, that whether you are eight or 80, whether you are nine or 90, I believe that the Coming of the Lord is so soon that we all have just about the same amount of time on this earth. And so when we say and when we talk about the conclusion of the whole matter and you're 15 years old, it doesn't mean that you have another 75 years because God could come today. So we must be ready. We must understand that the, cl- the conclusion of the whole matter is for all of us to have a reverence for God, something that is lost on this generation, a respect for the Word of God. Solomon said, looking back over his magnificent life, he said the thing that really matters, the conclusion of this life, and these are his final words, is this. Make sure that you fear God, keep His commandments, And do not forget that there is a judgment day coming. And so he wrote to us the Song of Solomon. 
the book of Proverbs, most of the Proverbs, and now the book of Ecclesiastes. These books are finished. And before he lays his pen down, knowing that the end is near for him and that someday it will be near for us, he admonishes us to hear the conclusion. This is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty. He actually penned these words in Ecclesiastes 7 and 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So he tells us that the end is going to be greater than the beginning. I believe that. I believe the best is yet to come here and in the hereafter. I believe it's going to get sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. I believe we're going to see more outpourings of the Holy Ghost because he said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so the conclusion of the whole matter. In the book of Ecclesiastes, as you study this carefully, you'll see that Solomon is reviewing and he is examining and notwithstanding, he is evaluating his life that he has lived here on earth. And this is what he has to say, and I'll read a lot of scripture about Solomon and about the conclusion of the whole matter. This is what he has to say in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting at verse 4. One generation passeth away, and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. He talks about the sun. The sun rises and the sun goes down and it hastens to its place from where he arose. Talks about the wind. The wind goeth toward the south and then it turns toward the north. It whirleth about continually and the wind returneth again according to its circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. And then he makes this very interesting statement that I will repeat today several times. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse number 14 when he talks about the wind and the rivers and the labor of man and all of these wonderful things that he has insight to in chapter 1, 4 through 9. He makes this statement. He's preparing us to be ready for the end, the conclusion of the whole matter. He said this in Ecclesiastes 1.14, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. I've experienced it all, and he really has. He really did. He really had. I've, I've, I've seen all the works that are under the sun. And behold, when you analyze, and when you scrutinize, and when you look at everything that's done under the sun, he makes this statement, all is vanity and vexation of the spirit. The conclusion of the whole matter. He said, I even got into myself 
I don't know if you know it or not, but this is a generation that they're into their self. It's all about me. We, we sing the song with Elvis and, and Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Well, Solomon did it his way. I want you to, I, you don't have to count because then you'll, you won't be listening to everything else. But go back and count how many times he speaks about himself in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting at verse 3. He said, I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine. I'm serving myself wine. Yet, acquaint, uh, uh, acquainting my, with mine heart with wisdom uh, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was the good for the sons of men, which they should do under the, under the heaven all the days of their life. Watch this now. He, is, he was so into himself that at this point, you know, he's not even worried about the end of life, the conclusion of the whole matter. Right now, it's about him. He said, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water. To water therewith the wood bringeth, that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maids and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the particular treasures of kings and the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and delights of the sons of men as musical instruments of that of all sorts. So I was great. Oh, well, yeah, I was great because I was able to do this. I increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. There was not a king before me or a person before me that did anything greater than I've done. Also, my wisdom remained in me and whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy and for my heart rejoiced in my labor. And this was my portion of my labor. Then I looked after realizing I've been doing this for myself, that I've been living for myself, not worrying about anybody else. It was about me. It's about my gardens. About, it's about what I want. It's about my servants. It's about my singers. He said, I looked at all the works that my hand had brought and all the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, when I analyzed all of this, it was just vanity. And vexation of the spirit. And there was no more profit under the sun. He's starting to change his opinion of things. He's starting to, to, to realize it's not just about him, but there's a God that he must have respect for. You see, here's Solomon. He, he occupied a magnificent throne room. When Solomon drank wine, it was from vessels of gold. He wore kingly robes that were admired and uh, made other kings jealous. He built cities and houses and temples. Solomon lived in a mansion that took 13 years to build. He had over 1,400 chariots, according to the word of God, with 12,000 horsemen that rode in comfort and splendor wherever he went. When he went somewhere, he didn't go by himself. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen that accompanied him wherever he went. 
Solomon dined with the queen of Sheba, which we'll find out about a little later, as well as other renowned leaders of the world. And yet with all of this, he does come to the conclusion that behold, everything is vanity and vexation of the spirit. Look at his wisdom. What wisdom he had. Incredible wisdom of Solomon. 1 Kings 3.28, and all Israel heard the judgment which the king Solomon had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. He was indeed wiser than any man on the earth. His fame, uh, the fame of his wisdom was noised abroad insomuch that the queen of Sheba gave this account of him. When she finally came and sat down in Jerusalem and analyzed everything that she heard, it unfolds this way. First Kings 10 and 3, Solomon told the queen of Sheba all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he built 13 years, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and the apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit left in her. When she saw all that Solomon had, it took her breath away. And she said this to the king, it was a true report. I heard in my own land of thy acts and thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believe not what I heard. I didn't believe it until I came here and my eyes have seen it. And behold, the half has not yet been told. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. It's greater than what I heard. And yet Solomon, with all of this, he's now feeling the pressure of the end. He realizes this wisdom is wonderful. But when he analyzes it, he says, everything that I have and everything that I've done, it's all vanity and vexation of the soul. Now, we live in a world that is after the almighty dollar, and it's about money, and it's about prestige, and it's about position. But let's consider Solomon's riches for a moment. He received so much gold that his wealth was untold. On her visit... When the queen of Sheba came to see him, she brought him $9 million worth of gold just to be able to sit down at his table. The shields of his 300 personal guards, those who were around him, the shields of his personal guard were made out of hand-beaten gold weighing three pounds each. And the value of each one of those shields in today's market was over $72,000. Or if you please, just the shields that his inter-protectors carried would total $21,600,000. The throne that he sat on was made of ivory and it was overlaid with gold. There were 12 lions on the steps leading up to his throne, each one of them solid gold. All of the drinking vessels which the king drank from were made out of gold. We see it over and over again. And once every three years, 
His navy would return from all over the known world, bringing him unique gifts of intrigue. His personal wealth was beyond facts and figures. And yet Solomon said, at the end of all of this, at the end of all of this, it's vanity and vexation of the soul. What a ruler he was. As a matter of fact, 40 years he ruled and there was no war while he was king. He was the king over all of Israel and it was the greatest nation in the world at that time. Look at 1 Kings 4.25 and Judah and Israel dwelt safely every man under his vine and under his fig tree from Dan to Beersheba all the days of Solomon. There was safety everywhere when Solomon was the king. He reigned for 40 years. The land prospered. Israel obeyed him. The Lord magnified him. His authority was unlike any other king before him. He ruled over a nation and he ruled well. And in Ecclesiastes 9 and 11, he said this. I returned and I saw under the sun. He said, I want you to know everybody's involved in this. It's not just me, me, mine, my wisdom, my money, my position, my authority. It's not just about me. He said, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift. He's talking about himself. The race is not to the swift. It's not about how fast you can get things done or houses that you can build or kingdoms that you can create. The race is not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. I'm strong. I've never had to fight a battle because of my strength. Yet bread to the wise are yet riches to men of understanding, yet favor to men of skill. And he says this, because time and chance happens to us all. Chance did not get me, but now I'm at the end. And when I look back over all that I've been able to do, and accumulate and have, he said, it's just vanity and vexation of the soul. The conclusion of the whole matter, Ecclesiastes 8, 11 through 13, he talks candidly and straightforwardly to all of us because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged here on the earth, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God. If you're going to do anything, don't just search for wisdom and things and money and prestige. He said, I know it shall be well with them. Whether you have two nickels to rub together or two dimes to rub rub together, I know it's going to be well for them that fear God, which fear before him. For it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow because he feareth not before God. And then he says, in the conclusion of the whole matter, here, the conclusion of the whole matter, If you really want to know what to do, if you want to know how to succeed, if you want to make sure when you get to the end of it all, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The duty of man is not just to accumulate 
kingdoms and temples and houses and all the, and that's fine, but that's not the duty of man. The whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments. How far are we away from that in our society, not just in America, but around the world? How far are we away from really fearing God or reverencing God or keeping his commandments? We're not doing that nationwide or worldwide, but the church is because the only thing that matters to the ecclesia, the called out, the redeemed, It's not Jesus said, life consisteth not in the abundance of things a man possesses. Life consisteth in the fact that you know him and he knows you and you fear him and you obey his commandments and you love him with all of your heart, mind, and soul and spirit. For this is the first and great commandment. Can I tell you right now that all of us need to go back to the beginning and say with Solomon, I'm going to love him with all of my heart. I'm going to respect him with all of my heart. I'm not going to seek the things of this world. I want God to be in my life. So he said, here the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment. And every secret thing, every secret thing is going to be brought to judgment. Whether it's good or whether it is evil. So let's look at this. So Solomon, these are Solomon's final words on the issues of life that he raises in the book of Ecclesiastes as well as on life itself. Solomon brings into focus, I'll not be much longer, but I want you to listen carefully to the last half of this message because this is where we are today. Solomon brings in the focus, the importance of our relationship with the Lord God and how our relationship with the Lord is paramount and how we must end life on the right note. I think I should say that again. We all must end life fearing God and keeping his commandments. Hallelujah. All of the concern he had for life under the sun, life under the sun, it's about me. I'm going to plant trees for me. I'm going I'm to have singers for me. I'm going to do this for me. He comes back to it all and he reminds us of all the concerns of life under the sun with its pleasures and notwithstanding with its uncertainties was now behind Solomon as he faces the end of his life and he remains steadfast to remind us that the Lord will bring every fact that we commit and every act that we commit, whether it's good or evil, it's coming to judgment. And everybody said judgment. Nobody wants to hear about that today, but the fact of the matter is You can live your life, but at the end, we all have to answer to him. So here it is, Ecclesiastes 12, 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing. I love the fact that he includes that which is good because there are so many people in this church and in the world, there's so many people that do good that never gets recognized. Well, God in judgment, it's not just about the evil. God's going to bless everything. Listen, everything you do for somebody, every good thing you do, hallelujah, maybe we don't see it and maybe we don't recognize it across this pulpit, but every good thing you do when you stand before God in judgment, he's going to say, I remember when you did this. 
I remember when you blessed that person. I remember when you was faithful to my house. I remember, and he's going to go down the list. Not just the evil. We always think judgment evil. No, judgment is going, God's going to remind us that he keeps perfect records. He knows every good thing, every good word, every good deed that you've ever done. Keep doing good. Can I preach to somebody? Keep doing what is right. Walk the right road. Do the right thing. Live for God. Fear God. Obey his commandments. Because this is the whole duty of man. The judgment is coming. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11. John the revelator said, And I saw, I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it, Jesus Christ. From whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book of life. And I'm going to mark that point and stop and share something with you that's not in these notes 1975, January of 1975, my father was dying with cancer. Cancer had taken his eyesight. Uh, He called and summoned my pastor, Paul Jordan, into his room at the hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana. They didn't tell me, my pastor did not tell me this until after dad had died. And Brother Jordan went to my dad's room and dad shared with him a vision God had given him. A few weeks later, he asked for my uncle, my mother's brother, Uncle Don. And Uncle Don Winters walked in, shared the same story with him. And he did not share it with me until after my father had died. And so when dad died, my pastor called me in and said, I want to share something with you. That your dad, he died on April 4th, and he said, I want to share something with you that your dad told me back in January. He said, even though he was blind, he said a bright light came into his room. And the bright light said to him, come with me. And he said that light took him to a room that had side walls, but had no end. He said, I could not see the end that way or that way. It was just lined with books, and every book was a person's life that had been lived here on earth. And he said, the light took me over. I did not see a person. I did not see, I did not see a face. It was a light that took a book off of the shelf, and it had my name on it, Everett Arnold Keller. And he said, when the book was opened, whoo, the first 21 chapters was empty white pages because at the age of 21, I repented, I was baptized, I was filled with the Spirit and everything before that, there was no record in heaven of it. No record. The conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't mean to get into this story, but the conclusion of the whole matter is Fear God. Keep His commandments. Keep His commandments. And so the Lord went to the last chapter. And He said in the last verse of the last chapter of my dad's life, He said, I'm coming 
to bring you home in April. And so dad told Brother Jordan, I'll be departing in April. Uncle Don, the same story. Uncle Don said, riding down the road, he said, I got to tell you something. I know you lost your daddy. But he told me the same exact story. Now the rest of the story goes like this. Dad said, if you're coming to bring me home, I must make sure my family's in order. That the lives of my family are in order. And he said, I need to make sure that my house is in order. And so the Lord took from the shelf my mother's book, Hope, Mike, Nathan, me, took those books off of the shelf, opened them up. The first thing written was when we all repented. Empty pages. I'm so glad that the first 13 years of my life <laughs> were empty pages. I remember him, but he don't remember him. Hallelujah. Isn't that great about our God? He has no record. Hallelujah. And so dad said, my house is in order. I'm ready to come home. And he passed away. Hallelujah. Just let me tell you something. There was another book opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written according to their works. Praise God. Shall we continue? Hallelujah. And the sea is going to give up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And hell, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. No wonder Solomon said, at the end of it all, do not forget that the conclusion of the whole matter is you must fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man because God's going to bring everything into judgment and every secret thing is going to be revealed, whether it is good or whether it is evil. Therefore, as believers, we must understand 2 Corinthians 5 and 9, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent... Hallelujah, we may be accepted of him, whether we live here or we pass away. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or evil. Hallelujah, thank God for every person that dies in the faith, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If it dwells in you, it's going to quicken these mortal bodies, and this mortality is going to put on immortality, and this corruption in corruption. Hallelujah, the duty of the whole... The duty of the whole matter is be right with God when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth. That's the conclusion of the whole matter. Hallelujah. The whole matter is for us to fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Now, the last part of this sermon, oh, I can't wait to preach it. It starts with Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. And certain of the scribes, everybody say scribes, Pharisees, answered Jesus saying, Hey, Master, we would see a sign of thee. But Jesus answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There shall not be given any sign to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the, the well's belly, 
so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I'm going I'm to die on Calvary. They're going to bury me, but I'm only staying there three days. And matter of fact, I'm not even staying there. I'm going to go down to hell and demand the keys to death, hell, and the grave before I come out. I'm going to come out with all power in heaven and in earth. And the men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And then Jesus makes this statement. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And when the scribes and the Pharisees heard Jesus make that statement, they perceived this to be an abuse, illogical, ridiculous statement, absurd. How can you say a greater than Solomon is here. Don't you know what all Solomon accomplished? All they could see was the accomplishments of Solomon. They failed to see the last statement of Solomon. That the conclusion is, fear God, keep his commandments. They were too wrapped up in the things of this world to identify with the end of life. Hallelujah. A greater than Solomon is here. It was too much for them to grasp. It was impossible for the Jewish leaders to wrap their carnal minds around the conclusion of the whole matter that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. They couldn't imagine for one moment that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. It was beyond their grasp to even consider Jesus being God manifested in the flesh. It was beyond their perception that Jesus Christ was the one they were actually looking for, the Savior of the world. How could he possibly be greater than Solomon? The conclusion of the whole matter is this. The scribes and the Pharisees failed to realize that they were addressing history's most remarkable, amazing, and extraordinary person. They failed to realize that they were addressing the decimal point between time and eternity. He is not just a king. They failed to realize that they were addressing the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The conclusion of the whole matter is give your life to Jesus. It's all that matters. It's all that matters because at the end of it all, you're going to stand before God and God is going to be your judge. The conclusion of the whole matter is Jesus is immeasurable by any standard, even Solomon's. Go ahead. I don't have time to get into it, but go ahead and talk about Solomon building a temple, a house that took 13 years, 1,400 chariots. Go ahead and talk about all that he had, and I'll just say this. If you want to compare Solomon with my Lord, all I can tell you is this. That he stepped out on the edge of nothing and said, let there be light. And there was light. Hallelujah. He's the one that stepped out and, and created the stars, the moon, the sun, the earth. Go ahead and compare him with Solomon. But when he spoke, 
The sun came into existence. When he spoke, the animal kingdom was. When he spoke, the earth came together. When he spoke, the land was separated from the sea. When he spoke, there was a firmament in the sky. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, he's the one that that created all the stars of the earth. And David said, he created the stars of the earth. And he calleth them by name. Hallelujah. There is so many stars in the world, in the, in the atmosphere. There are so many stars out in, the, in, to, in space that if you were to name each and every one of them and just put the name, you've heard me tell this before, put the name in books, it would take 20, not million, 20 billion empire state buildings to hold the books that hold the names of the stars. You want to know who's greater than Solomon? My God said he calleth the stars, but he numbereth the stars and calls them by name. I'm telling you, there's a greater than Solomon that's here. I'm going to fear him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to respect him. He's greater than all of this world put together. Hallelujah. Let's do that. Let's clap our hands under the Lord. Let's magnify him for who he is today. The conclusion of the whole matter. And I will say this. I will say this today. According to Matthew 24, 11, many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Can I get a witness on that in this last hour? The 24th chapter of Matthew. When shall the end be? What's the sign of thy coming? And Jesus said, false prophets are going to be everywhere. And they're going to deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, they just got wrapped up in this world and they failed to see the final words of Solomon. It's vanity and vexation of the soul. Here's what matters. The whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. No, no, the the, the love of many shall wax cold. And he he that shall, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. He makes a distinction between those who get wrapped up in this world and those who have their eye on the end. We have to live in this world. But let me tell you something. Uh, This uh, this world is not my home. I am just passing through. I'm going to a better place. Hallelujah. And I'm going to fear him and obey his commandments and follow his word and believe his word. I, I believe him. I believe him more than the Constitution of the United States. I believe his word more than man. Whatever man can put together. I believe Jesus Christ. And this gospel, the conclusion of the whole matter, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. And so today, today, when a person walks in obedience to the word of God, it is then that they can join with Isaiah and sing this song. Oh, I wish I could sing because I would sing this song, 12 and 2. Behold, God 
is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, whoo, not out of the waters of this world, not because you can put men singers, women singers, plant trees, no, no. Therefore, with joy, shall you draw waters, not out of the wells of life, but out of the wells of salvation. You know and I know, we have lived to see the day when people obey the word of God reluctantly. Reluctant, I'm just kind of reluctant to obey this. Unwillingly, half-heartedly, begrudgingly. But the key to salvation is obedience. And the key to overflowing blessings is to obey the Lord gladly. Some in our society today see obedience to God as a necessary evil. Others see obedience to the Word of God as something that they have to do. However, whoo, you're in a church today. I'm among people today that are blessed. And you know why I'm among people who are blessed? <coughs> they are those who see it. Not as a difficult duty, but they see following God as an undeserved opportunity. Solomon finally got it right. He finally turned the corner from it being about me <coughs> to it being about God. This is the whole duty. Not to accumulate, not to have a throne of ivory overlaid with gold, not to have lions on every step leading up to the throne made out of gold, not to have 1,400 chariots, not to have 300 personal guards. He had all of that, but he comes down to the end and he says, let me just tell you, the conclusion, the conclusion to the whole matter is this. I may live in a palace and you may live in a tent, but fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty. The whole duty is not to build a life just for here, and we do that. But the whole duty is to build a life here for your family, but also to build a life for the hereafter with Jesus Christ forever. So the conclusion of the whole matter, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. The conclusion of the whole matter, if I may say so, is this. He includes us among the redeemed by his blood. Let me tell you something. I thank you for the influence you've had on my life. I thank this church for what you've done for me. I thank you for that. I thank you as individuals for what you've done for each other. But it doesn't compare to the fact that he shed his blood that I could be saved. Watch. Wherefore remember that you being 
in time past, Gentiles in the flesh who are called the uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time, here's the conclusion of the whole matter, that at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. As a matter of fact, you had no hope. You were without God in this world. But the conclusion of the whole matter is this. But now, whoo, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That's the conclusion of the whole matter. We're saved, we're redeemed, we're on our way to heaven, we're blessed, we're kept. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would just praise him right now. However you feel like praising him and thank him. Hallelujah. That you're saved. Thank him that you can fear God and keep his commandments. Woo. Let me go all the way back to our first scripture. Before I read my final scripture. And we pray again. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Uh, fear God. Fear God. Keep His commandments. If there's one thing I can say to you as your pastor on this Sunday, I would say to you, fear God. I would say to you, keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of every person here at New Life Christian Center on Sunday morning. Why? Why should I do that, Pastor? For God shall bring every work into judgment, every secret thing, whether it's good or whether it be evil. Now we ended last Sunday with this same scripture. But it's so appropriate. The conclusion of the whole matter. I read this scripture every time, every time I walk to the graveside of a blessed saint of God from New Life Christian Center. And I have buried almost 400 people out of this congregation in the last 28 years. For almost 400 times, you've heard me say at the graveside of a loved one or a member from this church, behold, this is the conclusion of the whole matter. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. You want to know the conclusion of the whole matter? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised 
incorruptible. And we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death. Death, you are swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, on this Sunday morning, my beloved brethren, my beloved sisters, I say to you on this Sunday morning, fear God and keep his commandments. Be ye steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor your labor he that endureth to the end your labor is not in vain in the Lord and that concludes this podcast If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.